Hi everyone! Um, today is our fifth episode of Science Now. This is Kai. And I'm Yoi. I'm back. Hello. Hello. So today, the topic that I picked that I wanted to share with everyone was the idea of regenerative medicine. What I mean by that is literally how we can grow organs to replace those that are failing. It is something that is highly sought after by clinicians and by scientists because we will grow old and our organs will fail and there are thousands, if not tens of thousands of heart attacks every year of um, diabetic patients and if we could ever one day replace our hearts, our failing hearts, our failing pancreases, then it would eradicate these diseases which are leading causes of death all over the world. So when does this idea of growing organs start from? I guess grow- the idea of growing organs started a long time ago, the 1980s, 1990s. Mm. It really exploded into the media's and the public's eye, however, with one particular picture of a mouse. If you want to look for it on Google, you can just simply go mouse with ear, or as it's properly called, the Vacanti mouse. The Vacanti mouse. Now I know it has a name. It was named for Charles Vacanti, who created it in the University of Massachusetts. And... Even though it looks like a human ear on this hairless mouse, it actually was grown using cow cartilage. So all of the huge hoo-ha about recreating Frankensteins and freaks of monsters! (laughs) Well, that wasn't actually true. A lot of the the outrage at it was that we were growing human things on animals, but actually we were growing cow things on animals, which just so happened to look like a human ear because it was hand-sculpted to look that way. Mm, Hand-sculpting. Yes, indeed. I had a look and there was a very sensational headline that I saw a couple years back and I went, Hey, cool! And I didn't look into it any further until this podcast. Mm -hmm. And looking into it now, it was less exciting than I would like it to be. Okay. What was it about? So if we were to Google growing a heart, the first top link that comes up, it says, Scientists grow full-sized, beating human hearts from stem cells. And this beautiful picture that I think was provided to them by the lab of this red, human-sized heart inside of a big metal container. And it looks great. It looks looks like the next step in regenerative medicine. And don't get me wrong, the science that's behind it is solid. The science behind it is true. They did manage to kind of do it, but... This article misleads us because they say that they grew a full-size beating heart. And that's not actually true. What they had to do was to, as disgusting as it sounds, take a heart from a cadaver, that, mm. from a dead body, that was already rejected 
for human transplant because there was something wrong with the heart. And they managed to decellularize it, which means that they took away all of the original cells that's inside the heart. But our heart is not just made of cells. Our heart is also made up of a lot of connective tissue, which are, which are not cells, which kind of hold the shape of the heart together. Mm-hmm. So after, they took, they've, after they've taken away all of these cells, what you're left with is almost like a ghost heart. It's a white-coloured heart. And then they had to then seed portions of this heart with stem cells. Did we discuss stem cells before in a previous podcast? No, I think stem cells is new. I don't think we've talked about stem cells. Right. Would you like to cover a bit of stem cells? Sure. So what are stem cells? To me, stem cells are like the mother cell of all cells in the body. So everyone, if you start with embryonic stem cells, you can make almost all the cells in your body. So you start with one and then it keeps dividing. And we have these, this term differentiation where they change their identity and become heart cells, skin cells, depending on what kind of signals they get from their surroundings. Mm-hmm. So, In this particular case, the scientists did repopulate, they put back and injected stem cells into areas of the heart. And then they grew it in a reactor, which as Kai alluded to already, which had very specific chemicals, very specific media and signals, and uh, especially even electrical signals, which the heart needs. Mm. And they managed to regrow some portions of the heart, a very small portion, the area that they injected these cells into. And they were very excited because they found that after... Uh, a certain period of time, the that small section of heart started spontaneously beating, the same as our heart would beat. But if you went into the literature and looked at the video of the beating heart, mm-hmm. the area of the tissue is twitching at a regular interval, but nowhere at the strength and the magnitude that it requires to pump blood through the body. Mm. It's more like a little leaf that's going twitch, 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 not the huge contraction when you feel your own heartbeat. So already within this sentence, full size, no, they didn't grow it. They repopulated it. They didn't even populate the entire heart. They only populated a small portion of it. Mm -hmm. And was it beating? Yes, it was. But was it at a... Functional. At a functional level? No, unfortunately it wasn't. Mm. So, I was so disappointed reading yeah. this. I actually thought that they managed to recellularize the whole heart. But don't get me wrong, this is still a huge step forward into growing organs and regenerative medicine. It's just, it's the start and we have to see where we can go from here. In fact, one issue which scientists right now are struggling with is that they cannot grow large enough organs with an adequate blood supply. They cannot create the vasculature system, which we, which we all need. All of our organs are supplied with blood. Even in this particular scenario, they did not create a heart because they didn't 
grow the blood vessels on the inside. The blood vessels were still there because of the because original of the, structure of yes, the heart. That's right. But they only put in the cells to try to create heart muscle. They didn't put in uh, what was required to become blood vessels. So mm. They simply just pumped media through the existing valves and um, vessels that was already left behind. So that is one huge hurdle that needs to be crossed. And on the same topic, the other hurdle I think we need to overcome to get these human organs is the structure of it. Remember Yoi, you were saying they took the cadaver and decellularized the heart. But you can't have that many cadaver hearts. And what about organ rejection, even if you have a cadaver heart? So in some organs, they did start looking into 3D printing, but I don't think they've done it for the heart yet. So 3D printing would be and appears to be the way forward for some scientists. One big name in regenerative medicine is Dr. Anthony Atala. He's the director of the Wake Forest Institute for Regenerative Medicine. And why he's famous is because in the early 2000s, he actually managed to successfully regrow a bladder replacement and have it implanted into human patients. And those human patients, they appear to have working functioning bladders. Wow. That was a huge step forward. Mm-hmm. I, I can't imagine how hard it must have been for him to actually get that approved. But it has worked. And so, you know, you might ask, why is that not being translated to the other organs? The reason for that is because the bladder, if you think about it, is just a balloon and it stores your urine. So Atala just needed to create a bladder where he regrew the outer layer and the inner layer and that's pretty much it. It's not as complicated and have so many different type of cells as a heart, as a liver, as a pancreas, as a kidney, which has to deal with a lot of other functions other than just simply holding urine. So he is one person who believes that 3D printing is the way forward. Mm -hmm. And he's not alone. There are more and more startup companies trying to do just this, using Mm -hmm. 3D printing in order to create more complex organ structures in order to either create a scaffold with which they can then reseed and create the the organ that they want Mm -hmm. or directly printing an organ using heart cells, using stem cells, using um, blood vessel cells and literally printing the organ that will be a beating heart on a plate. Of course, they've just started. These companies such as BioLife4D, Prelis Biologics, Organvono, they are doing it, but on an extremely small scale. They are not doing anything which will be implanted into humans. They tend to be like maybe 1cm by 1cm, 2cm by 2cm. And you ask, what's the use of all of this? It is of tremendous use for drug companies and for scientists because you are creating something which closer approximates a human organ that they can test drugs on to see whether or not what compounds um, 
how the compound react. works mm-hmm. and reacts in the human body and so they have better data for drug discovery. So all of that sounds like, oh, okay, so we won't be able to grow big organs and, um, and, and really have an impact on our daily life. But that's not quite true. When it comes to regenerative medicine, certain organs and certain cell types are easier to grow. For example, uh, bone and cartilage. Mm. So there is a gentleman in Australia where his name is Ruben Lichter, or Leichter, I'm not quite sure how to pronounce his name, but he lost his shin bone due to an infection and what he has received is the world's first transplant of a leg bone. But that's not completely true, right? It's not completely 3D printed. No, they did not print the entire bone and go, here is your new bone. Let's now put it <laughs> into all your, your flesh leg. And skin. Yeah, so what, uh, what it was is that they had to, again, 3D print a scaffold. And when I say a scaffold, what I actually mean is that it's something, it's like the heart where it's a ghost of a bone. There's many tiny little holes in the scaffold where scientists are able to inject cells into and populate it that way and hopefully get them to grow into bone tissue. And the scaffold itself that was printed for um, Ruben's leg was is biodegradable, which means that whatever material it was, it will actually dissolve and disappear leaving behind the bone that is formed around that structure so he received the transplant in let's see 2017 actually and i wish him well and i hope that he is uh, recovering well with his family another thing which people have been able to create is actually goes all the way back to the the Vacanti mouse. Mm. Uh, There is a team in China that has 3D printed again a scaffold of an ear and they took uh, cartilage cells from children who were born without one ear. They scanned the existing ear of the child, put it into the computer, 3D printed a scaffold of the existing ear took pre-cartilage cells, which are kind of like stem cells, but stem cells which are a little bit more committed and would only really go down the route of becoming more cartilage. Mm -hmm. They put it into the dish together with uh, the scaffold and let those partial stem cells grow and create a cartilage ear in a dish. This time, not on a mouse. And then they (laughs) took that ear and surgically implanted it under the skin of the missing ear on the children. And they appear to be doing well. There are five Chinese children who have uh, undergone this therapy this year, in fact. And because these cells are taken for their own bodies, they they should not have any form of rejection. So regenerative medicine has actually come a long way. Before this, what these children would have had was that they would actually take cartilage out from the ribcage and a surgeon would have to hand sculpt something that he thinks approximates the shape of an ear and then after that, put that cartilage onto the child's head. This time around, 
the 3D printer is definitely better. I'm sorry, not to slight surgeons out there, but the 3D printer is Easier. pixel perfect. <laughs> and does not require the skills of your surgeon being... A sculptor? Michelangelo or Raphael? Michelangelo. Michelangelo. The next Michelangelo. You can search on online for this and you see that the children's ears are actually doing very, very well. I will post the links for the articles that I've talked about below in the information section of the podcast. So these ears, they had no problem vascularizing. I guess the ear is not very thick to start with. Yes, so the thing about the bone and the ear is that yes, they do require a blood supply. The scientists, they do look at it and Mm -hmm. because they have to see that the transplant is taking well and apparently it does slowly vascularize so these type of tissues which have lower blood requirements or are mainly made out of a one particular cell type or a simple organ structure it seems that we are actually crossing all the hurdles wow. for these type of organs but when it comes to the heart the liver, the kidney, those that I've mentioned before, that's still a long way to come. Yeah, one step at a time. Mm. So I hope that that was an interesting look into... Growing organs? Growing organs, because I had a real fun time actually researching all of this. And I do understand that when I was researching this, I found a lot of dead ends and a lot of poorly reported articles. Mm-hmm. But if you keep on searching and reading about what has actually been done, it is a very exciting field of study for Definitely. the future. All right. So that's all we have today for Growing Organs. Thank you for your time. If you have any feedback, any Topics you want to listen to, you can email us at singingdancingscientists with an s at gmail.com and we'll see you next time. Bye.